Hey, what is good, TLC? It's good to see you guys all here. We just got back from our leaders' retreat. We just came straight back from um, Lake Paris uh, area. Yeah, it was a great retreat. It was, um, it was this retreat just really planning for the next year, for 2022, for TLC, and really having our heart. And it was a, a retreat where we were hoping in every possible way to restore this picture of uh, unity in the spirit, having that, 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 that sense of family, that we're in this relationship together, that we are doing this together, that our hope is to lead people together in God's kingdom, right? And so we're, there's a lot of exciting things happening next year. We can't wait to uh, start unfolding that for you guys. Uh, continue to pray for your leaders where they have much responsibilities on their shoulders. And really the responsibility is one thing. It's, it's to walk with you and to make sure that as you walk and follow Jesus, you are growing in your relationship with him. And so please pray for your leaders. All right. With that said, you know, I wanted to uh, give you this message today. It's a standalone message, but it talks about what does it look like to live, to have a life, to be a follower of Jesus. What does it look like to be a person who belongs to the kingdom of God? All right. Some of you guys, maybe friends or family, just kind of sitting in for a little bit. I want to share with you guys this picture. You know, on a sports team like the Lakers, you have, you got, you got the players, you got the coaches, you got the back office, right? And you got the fans, you got the fans, right, who are emotionally invested into their team, okay? And all of these guys, they make the team. They make what the team works, makes, because you can't have it without the fans, you can't have it without the players or the coaches or the back office. But when it comes to When it comes to Team Jesus, there's one caveat to that. You do have players. The players are the church, the members. You do have coaches. Those are the the pastors, the staffs who are trained to equip the members. And you do have the back office. Those are the people who are there to serve and to make sure things are running in the community. But you don't have fans. There are no fans when it comes to Team Jesus. There is no fans when you come to sit there and kind of just right? That doesn't happen. It's either you are part of the journey, part of the team, or you're not. But there are no bystanders here. So what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? We're going to read a passage in this, uh, in the Bible where we see three men approaching Jesus. And Jesus, by all accounts, three guys showed up and they really said, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he turned away all three of them. He literally just says, no. And what we see here is that they did not understand what it meant to follow him. And I want us to kind of do a little discernment, a little gut check today. Right, church? I want you to do a little gut check and and ask yourself the question, do you know what it means to follow Jesus? Or are you, can you find yourself maybe emulating one of the characteristics of these three men? Because if so, Jesus is saying, you do not understand what it means to follow me. So that's the question I want to ask you guys today. Very simple, very basic, very easy. Right? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Open your Bibles, Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62.
Let me read this to you guys. We'll get going. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? This is the question I want you guys to ask yourself today. The first thing that Jesus shows us in this passage is that to follow Christ, it means that you belong to the kingdom. You belong to the kingdom. To the first guy, he says, this place is not my home. Jesus told the guy, this place is not my home. I can't put my head here. Do you understand that? This is not my home. I don't fit here. I don't walk here. This is not the place where I call my place of rest. It's not mine. I'm just a sojourner here. Jesus tells the other guy, you were called to proclaim the kingdom. Do you understand that? Your priority in life is this. Then every aspect, whether you work, whether you're in family, whether you're at uh, with, with your friends, whether you're in school, your life is to proclaim God's kingdom. This is a priority to you. Because to look like, to be a part of, and to belong to a kingdom, it requires that. It requires to say, that place is not my home. I don't have a home here. The kingdom of God is my home. That's where I belong. That's my home. That's my place. To belong to the kingdom, it means that my priority is the kingdom in my life. Everything I do shapes and centers around this kingdom. And Jesus is saying to belong to the kingdom, verse 62, he says, if you are a follower of mine, your service is to only the kingdom. That's your heart's vision. That's your heart's desire. Is this true of you, church? Do you belong to the kingdom of God? It's like this. It's like uh, me being married. I belong to my wife. Yes? I belong to my wife. That means that means I cannot say to my wife, if you find my, me sleeping in someone else's home, another lady's home, right, you would think Pastor Tony has a problem, right? I mean, I, we know he's married to Trisha, but why is he sleeping in this person's home? He belongs here, not there, right? In the same way, I belong to my wife. That means my priority is to my family. My priority is to my family. It's centered around, hey, my children, my, 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 the well-being of my wife. It's focused on that. How weird would it be if I all of a sudden you start seeing me and I'm focusing on taking care of someone else's wife and children, right, just for the fun of it, right? That would be kind of weird, right? You would say, maybe he's being nice, right? But his priority seems to be misplaced here. In the same way, my service, my heart's vision, my desire should be and ought to be, if I belong to my family, reflecting that. I shouldn't be reflecting it somewhere else. So here's my thing for you guys. To follow Jesus, he says this, 
to be a follower of Jesus, it means you belong to my kingdom. It means that you took a step, not just stand at the border and looked in, but you actually took a step into my kingdom. You actually took a step to say, this is my new home. I count everything around me as lost. They, veil, they, they pale in comparison to what I have. My priority is this kingdom. My priority is to see, God, what is your will? What is your mission? What is your desire? And you tell me, and I will do that. Because my heart's vision, my focus, my trajectory is to fulfill that. That's what it looks like to belong to the kingdom of God. Church, have you checked your heart in this area? To be a follower of Jesus is not to dance around. We love, we love that idea. We think like, oh, I can be here and here whenever it's convenient for me. When I have time, let me just show up to church. When I got time, let me show up to small group. When I got time, let me open the Bible and just check it out. When I have time, I'll think about doing something nice for God. That's not what Jesus says at all. All of this, he says, to belong to me, it means that you belong to this kingdom. The way you think, the way you act, the way you feel, your priority is this. Okay? It's like this picture of the, the level of existence. You know, like a rock doesn't have much interaction with the world around it, right? But you go to one extra level of existence, like a flower. A flower can do what? A flower can, can, can feel the ground beneath it. A flower can engage with the sunlight and it can engage with the water. It has this kind of connection to nature, right? But it doesn't have an extra level of life because when you go to the life of an animal, an animal understands life and death, un understands what it means to have that, right? It tastes it, it feels it feels pain. It has that sense of hurt, right? And then you go to another level, human beings. The idea of justice and right and wrong. Animals don't have that. And then Jesus says, but if you belong to my kingdom, you're not just somebody who's walking around with this sense of just humanity. You belong to something else. You belong to a higher degree of existence. You belong to this picture of a vision that I have for you. I didn't make you just to leave you. I have a mission and a kingdom for you. To follow Christ is to belong to the kingdom. Yes, follow that? Okay, do you belong to this kingdom? Second thing that Jesus says in this passage about following after him. To follow, to follow Christ is to understand the reality of the kingdom. Look at this first dude here. Look at verse 57, okay? To follow Christ is to understand the reality of the kingdom. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Isn't that a good line? If some, if, you would think that if someone came to Jesus and told him, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Jesus would be like, yeah, man, come on along. I love that enthusiasm. I love that heart. Come along, right? But Jesus didn't say that to this guy. What did he say? He said this, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Jesus turned this man away. Why? Why? Because this guy, listen, this guy is what we call an idealist. Okay? Monitor is what we call an idealist. He's not excited about Christ. You know what he's excited about? 
He's excited about the excitement of following Jesus. He's excited about, he's, he's committed to the commitment, the idea of kind of working hard and being a part of something. He's excited that he's willing to like, you know, like, hey, you're doing something great. I want to be a part of that. When you're young, right, everyone's an idealist. Isn't that true? When you're young, you believe that if you just apply the principles correctly, if you just do this ideally, everything will work out beautifully for you. That's what I love about sometimes I, sometimes I love our young leaders. Idealists. Love them. You know why? Because old people like me, we see a wall. There's a wall, man. I can't get through it. Idealist says, no, no, no. We can get through this wall. I say, ah, I, even if you get through the wall, do you know there's a firing squad behind that wall, right? Like, do you, do, you, do you see that? No, we can get through that wall. There's an idealist here. They're committed to the idea. See, we believe, the person who's following after Jesus here, that he turned away, there's, an, there's a sense that we can make a difference. Jesus' message appeals to what? To the sense of heroic, to the sense of doing something big, to the sense of justice, to the sense of fighting for something. And so an idealist says, I like that. I want that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that movement. And you know what Jesus says? This is what Jesus says. He says this. Son, my son, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay. You know what he's saying here? Jesus is telling him, you like the idea of the kingdom? How we fight for justice? You like the idea of the kingdom? How you go out there and do great things for other people, serve the poor, fight for right and wrong. You like that? I am the embodiment of the kingdom. Look at my life, son. This idealistic picture that you have of what it means to follow me is not what it is. Look at my life. My life is the embodiment of this kingdom. Do you see what's happened to me? I don't have a place to stay. I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't have status. I don't have connection. I don't have wealth. I don't have influence. I don't have a place to live. All the things human minds consider success, I have none of them. I have none of them. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven does not consist of any of the things you think you will get. Jesus is saying, I am going to turn this world upside down. I am going to remake history. I am going to change the way people live their life, view their lives. I am going to literally move this whole world into a different trajectory. And I'm going to do it without influence. I'm going to do it without wealth. I'm going to do it without power. I'm going to do it without connection. I'm going to do it without status. I don't even have a home to stay at. That's how I will make this kingdom happen. So imagine how foolish it is when you say stuff like this. I need to be stable in order to, say, to, to, to serve Jesus. Jesus, I'm, my life is not stable. My life is not stable. I need to get my life together in order to be of use to Jesus. I need my life to be good first, then I'll circle back to follow Jesus. Jesus is saying, mm -mm. I am the embodiment of this kingdom. I am the embodiment of it. I promise you nothing of this world. I promise you nothing of this world in terms of success, in terms of influence, in terms of connection. I promise you absolutely nothing. My kingdom does not consist of any of that. My kingdom consists of this. This is what I will promise you, though. I will promise you peace. 
I will promise you greatness of character, continual growth in love, gentleness, joy, peace, meekness, kindness, self-control. I promise you meaning in life, courage, presence of God himself. I promise you real glory. Not this fake castle world that you want to shape with your money and your influence and your power. You might have it or you might not. But to follow me, to be part of my kingdom, to be a follower of me, that is not what it is first. The reality of my kingdom is that it is not easy. It does not consist of things that are beautifully made. It does not consist of a 401k. It does not consist of a nice house. It does not consist of beautiful things. My kingdom is to change this world. And I'm going to do it without any of that. I told you, you know, even as a, and this is not just, uh, I'm just uh, calling uh, people out in terms of uh, when you have a work life. I'm talking to even as pastors. Even as pastors, right. I remember, I think I shared this story with you. When I remember when I was serving at the other church. And I was, I was, there was no future in my life. In terms of finances, there was no future, right. And I remember when I went off to this mission field and I talked to this Filipino pastor, Pastor Gene Reyes, right. If you're watching, hi Pastor Reyes, right. I was talking to him, and I asked him, Pastor Reyes, how much do you get paid? What's your salary, right, as a pastor here? Because he, he's, he's out there. He's taking care of all these children. He's, in the, he's just, like, stewarding his gifts and people's. He's just doing such an amazing job. And I'm wondering, how much is he getting paid? I asked him, what's your salary, Pastor Reyes? And he looked at me, and he says, what's a salary? I said, it's the thing you get paid for doing what you do. He said, I don't get paid anything, Tony. And I was like, oh, really? Like, yeah. Like, do people get paid as pastors in America? Like, maybe, right? (laughs) Like, you know, and here I am thinking that to have a stable life, to be a follower of Jesus, I got everything, everything has to be stable first. And the first thing as a young man was to think, like, you know, I got to have my finances stable. And that's true. You shouldn't have any bills. If you have bills to pay, you should be paying your bills. That's being a good steward of your finances, right? But at the same time, at the same time, the picture that I was missing is that I did not understand the reality of God's kingdom. See, we live, you guys, we live in this dichotomy where you're part of the kingdom of God or you're part of the kingdom of this world. You're on team Jesus or you're on team Satan. Really, you're on the road to life or you're on the road to death. There's only two places here. And the kingdom of God, he says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. I do not have a place to lay my head. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. So how foolish is it that our priorities, that our wantingness, our idealistic measures is like this? Right? What does it look like to follow Christ? To follow Christ, it means to belong to the kingdom. To follow Christ is to understand the reality, the difficulties of the kingdom. Right? And lastly is this, to follow Christ means to understand the greatness of the kingdom. You guys ready for this? Verse 60. These are the last two dudes right here. Verse 60. This is the second guy. 
tells the second guy, follow me, man. And the guy says, first, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You're thinking, like, that's kind of messed up, Jesus. Like, the man just wanted to bury his dad. Like, why would you, like, you know, tell him to, like, bury himself, right? That's not what he meant here. Because this guy, as you look at the beginning of the verse, what were they doing? They were walking. As they were walking, which means that this guy who's asking this question was walking with Jesus. Now, if his father was actually dead and dying, he was supposed to be at the bedside. Jewish law entails that. You have to be at the bedside of your father if he's dying. Okay? So, the father was not dying. What this guy was really saying was this. I want to follow you, Jesus, but I better wait till my father dies. I got to wait till he passes away first. Then I can finally make room to follow you because my father might not like it if I invest my whole entire life into following you. In other words, when I'm sure following you doesn't alienate people, doesn't alienate my father, when it doesn't, when I'll be, then I'll be happy to come. When I'm sure that following you doesn't cost me anything, then I'll be more than happy to come to you. And Jesus says this, you have no idea, you have no understanding of the greatness of this kingdom. You got to follow me without any conditions. Absolute commitment. See, listen, he's calling for absolute commitment. But absolute commitment does not mean 100% perfect obedience. Let me say that one more time. I'm sure you guys are like, what? Right? He's calling this guy to completely commit to following Jesus, following him. But following him does not mean that you're going to be perfectly 100% obedient to it. Nobody's 100% obedient. If you were, you would be Jesus. Right? But what does it mean for commitment? It means this. It means that you have willingly abdicated your will to Jesus. This, you know what that means? That means that you're committed to following him. You struggle in the obedience to it, but you're committed. It means that while you're working, you're, you're committed to following him. God, I want to make my work mean something for your kingdom. I want this work to be a part of your kingdom's purpose. I'm committed to you. I want everything around me to be for that. I have a hard time obeying you in it. But when I mess up, I'm going to get back on track and I'm going to seek to make it happen. I'm committed to it. God, I want to commit to you in this relationship. I want to commit this relationship to you. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my wife, my husband, I want to commit this relationship to you. I, want, I am committed to doing what you have called me to do in this relationship. But here's the thing. Oftentimes we disobey. More often than not, we disobey. Do we not? But when we do, listen, when we do, when we have wronged our wives, when we have wronged our husband, when we have wronged God in following after our boyfriend or our girlfriend, right, what do we do? Oh, God, set me right again. Let this commitment again be following to you. That's what it means, commitment. You're not going to be perfect in your obedience. You're going to have that rugged, difficult time in obeying, but you are going back constantly in repentance and saying, my will is to follow your will. And when I, when I mess up, I repent and come back. That's commitment. You guys follow me? Right? You see, a person like that, a person with that mindset is a person who understands the greatness of the kingdom. 
the greatness of what's there, the greatness of what God has to provide, the greatness of what it means to follow him. See, when we say, I'm willing to follow you, Jesus, but first, let me pass my test. Let me just get this whole testing out of the way. Once it's all done, you got me 100%, Jesus. I'm willing to follow you completely, but first, just let me get into college. Look, once, once I get into college and this whole entire, like, dealing with my parents' life and, you know, just them bombarding me and they're all that pressure. Once that's out and I have the freedom to make my own choices in college, I got you, Jesus. I'm all for you. When we say I'll be willing to follow you, but first, let me live a little, God. Come on, right? I followed you since I was a kid. I grew up in a Christian home. I've never been to a single party. Let me just live a little bit. When we say, I'll be willing to follow you, but first, let me get this degree. But first, let me focus on my career. But first, let me get my family going. But first, let me prepare for my retirement. You know what you're really saying? I'm not committed to you. What you have to offer means absolutely nothing to me. I can't even see the greatness of your kingdom. I don't want to follow you because it's going to cost me my job. It's going to cost me my career. It's going to cost me my, me my relationship. It's going to cost me my degree. It's going, to, it's going to cost all these things. No, I don't want to follow after you. I want to just give you lip service that I will. I want to give you this, you know, this, this kind of like um, motion of me doing the work for your will. But commitment? No. I don't commit. Right? Commitment is a hard word nowadays, isn't it? We're afraid of that. So Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. You know what he's saying here? If anything is more important to you than me, it will kill you. It will kill you. We talked about this all over the time. Think about this. All right, one example, your career. One age where career is important for us, Yes. You want a stable job. No one's, no one's mocking you on that. You want to be able to have a family and to provide for your family. No one is mad at you for that. No one is upset about that. Right? But you know what the issue is? You know what the, the deep heart issue behind that is? Is you made that your commitment. You made that the greatest importance of your life. And do you know what the search for a career does? It just makes you keep searching. Because no job is good enough, isn't it? Right? Like even with uh, during our leadership retreat, you know, Jason brought up the idea, uh, brought up this thing about developers, right? They're just constantly from job to job over and over, right? Because they just, they just need to keep moving. It's not good enough. They just have to have the extra one. And I'm sure that's just, that's just not for developers. That's for everybody in general. You always got to climb the ladder. You always got to get the promotion. You always got to get one more step till everything is finally stable. Your commitment ends up killing you. Your commitment ends up taking everything from you. See, if you get it, you're great. But if you don't get it, think about this. If you don't get it, don't you feel like your life is ruined? Don't you feel like you lost everything? Don't you feel like you're nobody? Don't you feel your whole worth and your value is based on that? You know what Jesus is saying, let the dead bury the dead. Because if anything is more important to you than me, that thing will kill you. I am the only one. Who have died for you. Everything else, when you follow after it, it demands that you die for it. You chase after health, great. You look great. You look like an Adonis. You look like a model. 
there will be a day when it disappears, right? We call this thing called aging, right? You know, like at this retreat, I'm not going to lie to you, I felt my age. I'm 37 and I felt my age. I was like, my knees hurt, right? Like I'm walking, I'm, it hurts, right? Like I can't, I, was, I remember the, the, the last night they were karaoke. I was like, all right, I'm going to go in. I'm going to just hang out with my bros and my sis. I'm just going to have a good time. And then like I walked in there for like maybe 10 minutes. Like, oh, I'm out. Nope, can't do this anymore. This is just way too, they're like, they're, they sound like they're demon possessed in here, right? So like I got to go. I got to get out of here, you know? I just can't do it anymore. It doesn't beat the same heartbeat anymore, right? You feel your age. Your age will give in. If anything is more important to you than that, it will kill you. That's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to follow after me, to follow after Christ, it means to understand the greatness of the kingdom. Look at this last guy right here. Last guy is this. Jesus said, replied, or, um, still another, 61. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back as fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know what he's saying? He's like, look, if, you, if you're going to commit to me and you're walking with me and then you keep looking back and you keep saying, man, that was so nice. Man, I, I wish I had that old life again. I wish I could do that again. Right? You know what Jesus is saying? You're not, you're not looking big enough. You don't see the kingdom. You see that brick right there? I'll put this thing here. Let me, let me share with you, okay? Real quick illustration. Camera zoom in, okay? If you guys can see it. All right. So imagine this white brick right here is your life, okay? You spent the majority, first chunk of it, being a kid, thinking like, I can't wait till I get to adult age that I can work and get some money and buy a Switch, right? You, you, you're all focused on that right now, you know? And then you finally get to that age when you can, you're like, okay, well, I need to focus on getting into a good college, you know, because college means everything. College is important. I got to have my school. I got to have that thing. And then after you finish college or your, your grad school or whatever it is you guys go, oh, I got to focus on my career. You spend a big chunk of your life doing your career aspect, maybe with some, a wife or a husband in there too and a couple kids, right? And then finally you're thinking, well, I, I, can get, I can retire. Here we go. Boom, retire, and that's my life. And Jesus is saying, you're looking back on this? Look at every single brick in this building. This is my kingdom. And you're so focused on this? This is nothing. Look around you. Open your eyes. Be mesmerized by the countless number of bricks we have here. This is my kingdom. And you keep looking back on this four quadrant of your life? Jesus is saying, you don't, you don't see what it means, the greatness of what I have in store for you. You don't see it. Because so you look back and you celebrate momentary. Think about this, church. Think about this. The real question you have to ask is, have you made an honest decision of who Jesus is? Look, I'll be honest with you. If Jesus is not who he says he is, there's no point to this. Everything I said means absolutely nothing. Chase after your careers. Chase after your relationship. Chase after your family. Chase after whatever. There's a whole different system to live by. 
If Jesus is not who he says he is, then none of this matters. But if he is, and you have to have a real honest discussion in your heart about this. You have to ask this real question about it. If Jesus is really who he says he is, then you're either on team Jesus, or this is all you have. This is all you worry about. And Jesus is saying, seriously? Seriously. Have you made a decision of who Jesus is? Right? And I know some of you guys are thinking, well, how, how am I supposed to make that decision? I don't even know who Jesus is. Right? Let me tell you. The reason I follow Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord, yes, one, because he changed my life. Right? But I know a lot of you guys believe that a lot of things can change your life. You probably had a religious moment, me too, right? The reason why I follow after Jesus is because he is who he says he is. He died and he came back to life. His death and his resurrection, look into that. Look into it. Read in it. Pray about it. Look into it. If this is real, if this is real, then everything matters. You only got two decisions to make if this is real. Either two honest decisions. One, you bow down and you give and you abdicate your will to him as your Savior and Lord or you completely reject him. Either one, it's honest. And either one, I will respect. But the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is give lip service to who you think Jesus is and then go meander your life around thinking this is the most important thing for me. Does he want you to have a career? Of course he does. But the career that he has in store for you is for something bigger. It's not just for a simple job to make a couple of bucks, to have a 401k, to retire. His career is for impact, for his work. Does he want you to go to college? Of course he does. Or maybe he doesn't. I don't know, right? But he wants something like that. But you have to ask the question, why am I going to college? Is it for the career? So that I can retire? So that I can die? Or does my college have more purpose than that? That my college is the platform where I am being trained and ready for whatever it is that he's going to put me into. Whatever platform that he is preparing me for. Whatever situation that he is going to equip me for. Does he want you to get married? I'm pretty sure he does, right? But the real question about marriage, here's the thing about marriage. i got to tell you guys this. Majority of marriages, it's hard enough to be married as a Christian, right, let alone to be uh, to an unbeliever, right? Most, majority of the time in your marriage, what you will mostly do, if you don't have the stability there, you're going to be working on that marriage for the majority of the time, trying to figure out all the kinks, figure out all these things. That's what you're going to be doing the majority of the time. It doesn't matter if you're living with your, 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 your person. You're going to be constantly, constantly still doing that. But if, listen, if your marriage starts off with an idea, I have a kingdom. That's why every marriage counseling I go through, listen guys, every marriage counseling I go through, you know what I do? I always ask them the question, what is the vision for your family? What vision do you have for your family? As a husband and a wife, what vision do you think God is giving to you to reflect him to this world? Because that is what makes that marriage move and the purpose and the meaning to it. Otherwise, everything becomes what? Money, job, vacation, career, kids, retirement. 
Does he want? Of course. But all of that is to do what? Prepare you for this. All of that, all of this is just a stepping stone into all of this. Have you made a real, honest, gut check decision about who Jesus is? Because there's only two responses that comes out. I totally reject him. Or I bow down and worship him. Where are you, church? Where are you? Let's pray.